We're in a series entitled Discovering the Divine, and we're going to do one more in this series, and we're looking at personal encounters that Jesus had with people while he was on this earth and how it changed their lives and what we can learn from it. There's one more personal encounter that when I sat down and went through all the Gospels back in July and August to get ready for the series, I did not put this one down. I didn't even think about it, and it exploded in me this last week. But that's the last one, all right? This is the next to last one. Today we're going to talk about the blind man. The blind man. So Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. We'll talk about why he took him out of the town to heal him later. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house, saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. And again, we'll talk about why he told him not to go back into town later on. Now, this message is going to be different from any message I've ever preached at Gateway. In that, it has no points. I don't have any. If you looked at the notes, the sermon notes in your bulletin, This is the way I felt led to do it. Now, when I say it doesn't have any points, I don't mean to imply that it is pointless. Okay? I remember in uh, Bible college, a friend of mine asked a professor, a preaching professor, how many points should a good sermon have? And his answer was, at least one. (laughs) And I've heard some that didn't make that. So, I've got one great point, and it's the whole message. All right? And I want you to get it. He heals the blind man. Now, there are five personal encounters with blind men being healed in the New Testament. He healed hundreds of blind people. That's speculation on our part, but it says many, many times that when he would go to a city, they would bring him the lame and the blind, and he healed them all. So he probably healed many, many blind people, but five he had a personal encounter with. If you're thinking about beginning a healing ministry, let me let you know this, though. He never did it the same way twice. So there's no method you can pick up on. One of them he spoke to, one of them he touched, one of them he cast a demon out of, one of them he spat on the ground, rubbed his fingers in it, and rubbed it on his eyes. This one he spat in his eyes, on his eyes. That's what it says. Now, I know when we think of Jesus, this image of him spitting doesn't come immediately to our mind. I mean, when you think of Jesus, you don't think of... Would you agree with that? And I want you to think about this. They brought a blind man to him. They're leading the guy. They bring him up and say, Jesus, would you pray for him? Would you heal him? Sure. That's what the Bible says. And by the way, the Greek word for spit is... Patuo. That's the word. P-T-U-O. Patuo. Y'all better be careful there. Patuo. And you know what it means? Spit. Yeah, it means spit. So, that's what he did. He spat on this guy and healed his eyes. But, there's something very interesting in that this never happened before. There was something different about this in that he laid his hands on him twice. He laid his hands on him and said, what do you see? He said, I see men like trees walking. Laid his hands on him again, and he was restored. Years ago, I preached somewhere in some church. I was in the hotel room afterwards. 
I turned the television on and there was a preacher on there preaching. I don't remember who it was, so I'm not faulting. I don't have any idea who it was. It's just that he was preaching on this passage and he said something that I disagree with vehemently. Here's what he said. You see, even with Jesus, it doesn't always work the first time. I couldn't believe it. I, I, you know, I wanted to just throw the Gideon Bible through the TV, you know. I just could not believe that he said that with the creator of the universe, the one who spoke and the Son was created. He spoke and the Son was created. And according to Isaiah, he holds the universe in the palm of his hand. And he laid his hands on someone and it didn't work. That's just ridiculous. Whatever Jesus wanted happened. And what we need to figure out is what happened and why it did happen. And so I got my Bible out and I decided I'm going to figure this out. I don't know what it means, but I know it doesn't mean that. So I am going to figure this out. So I got to reading and studying and cross-referencing and doing all I could for about three hours. I started about 10 o'clock. It was about one in the morning. And it seemed like the Lord all of a sudden just came up in the room and just kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, Hey. You know, that's, that's how he always starts with me. Hey. And he says, what are you doing? Just like that. What are you doing? I said, I'm trying to figure this out with no help from you, I might add. <laughs> he said, you think I know what it means? I said, well, uh, yes, of course you know what it means. He says, why don't you just ask me? Why don't you just ask? The reason... That this is all part of my point is that God wants to give all of us revelation. And so many times we don't just ask the Holy Spirit. What does this mean? What are you trying to tell me through this passage? So I said, and I did it kind of sarcastically, because he said, why don't you just ask me? So I said, okay, what does it mean? And just like that, I had the answer. Just like that. I mean, just like when you have a four or five page document that you're transferring from one place, you hit one button, the whole document's there. That's what revelation is like. You probably had it happen to you. It takes you a while to explain to someone else what God told you, and He actually tells you in like a millisecond. And it just goes through, and all these scriptures started flowing to me. All these things. And I said, yes, that's what happened. Now let me tell you what happened, and then I'll show it to you in scripture. What happened, alright? He puts his hands on him. He's the blind man. He brings him up. He puts his hands on him. He heals him. He does it twice. But here's something you need to know. Every person has two sets of eyes. Every person. You have a natural set. And you have a spiritual set. Right? You have spiritual eyes and you have physical eyes. He puts his hands on him. Says, what do you see? He said, I see men like trees walking. Do you know what trees are in the Bible? They're men. All through the Bible, there's scripture about trees. Let me tell you what happened. He opened his spiritual eyes first. Then he put his hands on them again, and he opened his natural eyes. Now, I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to show it to you in scripture, all right? Let me show you some. Just stay in Mark 8, because we're going to read some more there in a moment. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a, what? Tree. 
planted by the rivers of water. Psalm 52, I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. Psalm 92, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. Jeremiah 17, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. He shall be like a tree planted by the waters. Isaiah 55, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. You've never been driving down the road and seen a bunch of oak trees clapping their hands. That's not what this is talking about. If you read Isaiah 55, it's talking about the redeemed of the Lord. Some versions call it the ransomed of the Lord. It's talking about the redeemed. That when they come back, they're going to clap their hands praising the Lord. And here's a very clear scripture. Matthew 7, verse 17. Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount. Every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. I don't know if this is a revelation to you or not. He's not talking about literal trees. He's talking about people. A good tree bears good fruit. And here's what he says. Every tree that doesn't bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. He is not giving us a lesson on orchards. He is telling us people. If you get your heart changed, you become a good tree, you'll start bearing good fruit. But if you don't get your heart changed, you're still a bad tree. No matter how much you try to reform, you're going to bear bad fruit. That's what he's telling us. So in the Bible, trees represent people. Let me show you a few more. Zechariah 4, verse 11. Then I answered and said to him, What are those two olive trees at the right hand of the lampstand and at its left? Verse 14. So he said, These are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. Now, Zechariah is having a vision, so he is seeing in the Spirit. He is seeing with spiritual eyes, and he says, this is what he says to the angel, what are those two olive trees? He doesn't say, what are those two men that look like trees? He's saying, there's two trees. See those two trees? When he sees in the Spirit, he saw trees. Here's what the angel's answer was. Well, those are people. Those are witnesses. As a matter of fact, Revelation chapter 11 confirms it. Verse 3, and I will give power to my two witnesses. And they will prophesy 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before God the whole earth. Everyone with me? So this is what happened during that night. I'm in the hotel room and I said, God, what happened? He said, I opened his spiritual eyes first. And when I asked him what he saw, this is what he saw. I saw men like trees walking. I remember the day when I first saw men like trees. I remember the day when you're reading in this Bible and you're reading about a tree bearing good fruit and all of a sudden I thought, that's not talking about a real tree, it's talking about me. It's talking about a person. And that's what every one of us want. Every one of us want to be able to see in the Spirit and hear in the Spirit. And when we read this book, we want it to jump off the page at us. Isn't that right? And by the way, that's the only thing that will change your life. Is the, the Word of God quicken you by the Spirit. Let me show you a couple more scriptures on spiritual blindness. 2 Corinthians 4. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. I don't know if you know this, but every one of you were born blind. Spiritually blind. Right? And let's just say this. I think I would rather go through this earth not being able to see in the physical, but being able to see in the spiritual, than to live on this earth and be able to see physically, but not be able to see spiritually. Right? So we all have two sets of eyes, and we're born blinded to the gospel. First John 2, He who hates his brothers in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Zephaniah 1, I will bring distress upon men, and they shall walk like blind men because they've sinned against the Lord. And then I want you to notice now, Matthew 13, very important. 
And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand. And seeing you will see and not perceive. In other words, you're going to hear it in the natural. You're not going to understand it spiritually, though. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes they have closed. Lest they, watch the progression, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Now, please follow this progression. Here's what he says. If you don't see in the spirit, if you don't see with your eyes, if you don't see spiritually, you're not going to be able to hear spiritually. And if you can't hear spiritually, listen, you're not going to be able to understand with your heart. And if you can't understand with your heart, you can't turn so that you can be healed. That's the progression of Matthew 13. That's what Jesus is saying. We want to be whole spiritually. We want to be whole emotionally. We want to be whole physically. We want God to do a work in us and heal our hearts. But you can't be healed until you understand with your heart. And you can't understand with your heart until you can see and hear in the Spirit. That's what he's talking about. And that's what happens when we read the Word of God. If you don't have your spiritual eyes and your spiritual ears open, if you don't every time before you read this book say, God, I cannot understand this book if you don't help me. And here's what happens. A lot of people will read a chapter in the Bible before they go to sleep. And when they close the book, they don't have the slightest idea what they just read. The reason is this is a spiritual book written by a spiritual being to spiritual people. And you'll never understand it in the natural. Yes, it is a literal book as well. And yes, it's true, literally and historically. But God didn't write it just for us to understand it with our minds. He wrote it for us to understand it with our hearts. He wanted our hearts to understand. Because when your heart understands, again, you can go back and read that Matthew 13. It's so important. When your heart understands, then you can turn And you can be healed. You understand that between being healed and your heart understanding is you turning. (laughs) It's one little word in there. Lest they understand their hearts, turn, and I should heal them. Turn. A good word to understand turn is repent. Stop going one way and start going the other way. But the way that you do that is you read the Word and you see in the spiritual and you hear in the spiritual and your heart understands and you say, Oh, I don't want to do that anymore. And so you turn And that's when the healing comes. Now, let me show you two more scriptures on having eyes but not seeing, because they're they're important to understand. Jeremiah 5.21. Hear this now, O foolish people, without understanding. Notice understanding is in the same verse. This is talking about your heart. Who have eyes and see not, who have ears and hear not. Ezekiel 12. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house, which has eyes to see but does not see. And ears to hear, but does not hear, for they are a rebellious house. The Bible talks a lot about people who have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but they can't hear. What's it talking about? It's talking about seeing the spiritual. Now, my wife personally thinks it's talking about something else. Obviously, she believes it's talking about spiritual. But I'm just kind of segueing into an illustration here. I can't see things around our house. I can't find pots. I can't find pans. I can't get dressed on my own. I will go in a closet. I'll look for it. I'll say, where's my blue shirt? she say, it's in the closet. I go in the closet. I can't see it in the closet. I remember, and, and I hate to call her in because I'm going to get in trouble. Because it's in there somewhere. And I know it's in there. And so I can remember one time looking through the shirts one by one. 
So I went through the whole thing. So I said to her, Sugar, it's not in here. This is what she does. She puts her book down, you know. She walks in and does this. It's right there. She said, you have eyes, but you can't see. I said, no, you can make things appear that aren't there. I know who's got the voodoo in our family. I just, just, she is unbelievable. That's the way we are sometimes. It's right there in front of us, and we can't see it until someone points it out. Let me say that again. It's right there in front of us, and we can't see it until someone points it out. Y'all are here, aren't you? Okay. That's why we need our spiritual eyes open. So that night, the Holy Spirit said, you think I know what it means? Yes. Would you like me to show you? Yes. Boom. He showed it to me. And then he said to me, would you like for me to confirm it to you? And I said, yeah, I would. So he said, well, how do you confirm when you believe you're hearing something about the Bible? How do you confirm it? Now, if you write notes, you ought to write this down and remember this. There's two ways when you believe God has said something in the Scripture, there's two tests for it as to whether it's really God talking to you or not, right? Number one, does it agree with the whole Bible? Immediately when the Holy Spirit spoke this to me, I just thought of all these Scriptures about trees, and it agreed with the rest of the Bible, and I've shown you a lot of those Scriptures tonight. So, number one, does it agree with the rest of the Bible? By the way, this is a reason to read your Bible and read your Bible and read your Bible, because when God speaks something to you, He is the best concordance in the world. He can pull Scripture from everywhere and relate it to you, and you understand, yes, that's what God is saying to me. But here's the second test. Does it agree with the context? Does it agree with the context? I've tried to drill this into you. When you are reading the Bible, read before and read after. One professor said, a text without a context is a pretext. What he means by that is that if you don't have the context, you can make one verse say anything you want it to say. And you can't do that. For instance, I can prove to you, by pulling a verse out of context, I can prove to you that Moses played tennis. Because the Bible says Moses refused to serve in the courts of Pharaoh. I can prove to you that David had a motorcycle. This will be good for some of you guys out there that want one. And the Bible says clearly David's triumph was heard throughout the land. He had a motorcycle and it had loud pipes, by the way. So, All right, so you can't pull it out of context. So I say to the Lord, Lord, yes. He says, I want to prove it to you. Well, you just, all you got to do is back up and read in Mark 8. Now, we're not going to read all of it, but let me just tell you from the... We're going to start at verse 13 just now. Let me tell you what happened in the first part. First thing he did was he fed 4,000 people. A lot of people don't even know about this feeding. They know about the feeding of the 5,000. The 5,000, he had five loaves, two fish. Remember that? Everyone knows about that. But... This time, he fed 4,000 and he had seven loaves. So this is different from the feeding of the 5,000. It's totally different. All right? Now, the next thing that happens right after he feeds the 4,000 people. Now, I want you to just think about this. We are talking about spiritual blindness. All right? He feeds 4,000 people with seven loaves. And the Pharisees walk up as soon as the meal is finished and said, show us a sign. I think Jesus was like, were you here for the meal? Did you? Never mind. 
because he's not worried about the Pharisees. He knows they're blind and they're going to stay blind because their hearts are hard. He is concerned, though, about the 12 guys that he's about to leave the kingdom to. So he decides to teach them something about spiritual blindness. All right. And he's going to use the Pharisees. He does a sign and the Pharisees said, show us a sign. Okay. now we're going to pick it up. Verse 13, Mark 8, 13. And he left them and getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. Now, the disciples had forgotten to take bread and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he charged them, saying, take heed, beware of the leaven, the bread that the Pharisees are made. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now, watch how bright these guys are. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, he's mad because we don't have any bread. Think about that. He said, beware of the bread of the Pharisees. And they said, told you we should have brought more bread. We're talking about spiritual blindness here, right? And watch Jesus, verse 17. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, why do you reason? And I can just hear the frustration in him. Why do you reason? Because you have no bread. Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened, having eyes but you do not see, and having ears, but you do not hear. And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said to him, uh, 12. <laughs> also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. So he said to them, how is it you still do not understand? Listen, he gets in the boat, he says, Guys, beware of the bread, of the doctrine that the Pharisees are preaching. Beware of that bread. It's not good bread. Don't eat that bread. It's not good. Let me just explain to you what bread represents. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Bread is nourishment. In the natural, it's nourishment in the spiritual. When you eat that word, you're eating spiritual bread. Jesus said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. If you eat me, you'll never be hungry again. Drink my blood, which is being lost in the blood. Your sins are going to be forgiven. So he's always using these metaphors in Scripture. So he says to these guys, beware of the bread of the Pharisees, what they're putting out for you to eat. And they said, I told you we should have brought more than one loaf. I told you back there, we had all those baskets and fragments. And I said, bring more. And we got one loaf. Look how mad he is at us about the bread. And Jesus said, no, it's not the bread. It's not the bread. And then he says this. Do you remember? I fed 5,000 people and we had five loaves. I fed 4,000 and we had seven loaves. Fellas, bread is not the problem. If I wanted some bread, I'd just whip some up. (laughs) There's 12 guys and one loaf. I can handle this. I am not talking about physical, literal, natural bread. I am talking about spiritual bread. One of our ushers who greeted me at the door this morning was here last night in the service. He said, that was a great message. He said, I started to bring a loaf of bread this morning just to let you know I got the point. (laughs) And he was joking, obviously. The disciples didn't get it. You see what I'm saying? So he said to them, you know why you don't get it? You know why you don't get it? Because you have eyes, but you can't see. You have ears, but you can't hear. In other words... You've got two sets of eyes, guys. You're naturalized. You can see just fine. 
But in the spiritual, you can't see what's going on here. Do you remember when he met the two disciples on the Emmaus Road? Do you remember they walked and talked with him for hours and didn't know it was him? Why? Because they're spiritualized. And here's what it says. Here's what it says in that passage. And he opened their eyes and they knew him. Which eyes did he open? Natural eyes? No, spiritual eyes. That's what happened. So he said to them, you have a problem. You know what your problem is? You don't have your spiritual eyes open. So he gets off the boat. See, he gets off the boat. I'm giving you the context. He gets off the boat. He walks up. They brought a blind man to him and said, would you heal him? And here's what he thought. Well, it's a good opportunity. Mark is here. He's got his tape recorder. He's going to write a book about this. This is perfect. So the creator of the universe put his hands on him. And don't you dare tell me it didn't work. Exactly what he wanted to happen, happened. He put his hands on him. He said, open. He said, tell me what you see. He said, I see men like trees. Jesus said, Mark, write that down. He saw men like trees. Then he puts his hands on him again. says, now what do you see? He said, well, now I can see in the natural. But a moment ago, I was looking in the spiritual. Are you following me? What causes spiritual blindness? Let me show you one more scripture. In John chapter 9, he healed a blind man. The whole chapter of John 9 is healing a blind man. The whole chapter. From verse 1 till verse 41, probably. Somewhere around there. He heals the blind man. And the blind man gets in trouble. And he decides to talk about spiritual blindness at the end of the chapter now. Verse 39. Jesus said, for judgment I've come into this world. That those who do not see may see. And that those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, are we blind also? And Jesus said to them, bingo. (laughs) You got it. And watch what he said. If you were blind, you would have no sin. We really need to understand what this is talking about, because that's a pretty big statement. But since you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. Okay. He heals a blind man, and then he says, you know the real reason I came into the world, though? Not just to heal people naturally, I'm concerned about that, but to heal people spiritually. I came into the world to open eyes. But there's a lot of people that are just still blind in the spiritual. And the Pharisees said, are you saying we're blind in the spiritual? He says, yeah, I am. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But he said, let me explain it to you. If you would admit to me that you were blind, if you just admit it, if you would admit to me that you can't see without me, what you men don't seem to understand is we're living in a dark world. You're living in darkness. And I'm the light of the world. I am the light of the world. And yet you say we can see without the light of the world. That's what you're saying to me. You don't need me to see. And here's what he says. If you would just admit to me that you can't see without me, and listen to this statement, you would have no sin. Let me say it another way. Here's what he said. If you would admit to me that you need me, I would take away all of your sin. Boy, that's not good news. You would have no sin. Do you understand in the sight of God? I have no sin. None. 
He took it all away because I came to him one day and said, I'm blind without you. He said, that's all I needed to hear. All my sin was gone. That's what he's saying. If you would admit to me that you're blind without me, I would take away all of your sin. But since you say that you can see without me, I'm leaving your sin right where it is. You're going to bear your sin for all eternity. You're going to remain in sin. Here's another thing he said to the Pharisees one time. You're going to die in your sins. Because you won't receive the light of the world. So what causes spiritual blindness? Here it is. It's real simple. Unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin. If you're here today and you've never really given your life to the Lord and you're an unbeliever, that's what causes spiritual blindness. The reason you're understanding this message is because the Holy Spirit is shedding some light so you could come and accept Jesus today. But if you're here today and you're a believer and you've gotten to the place where you read the Bible but it doesn't jump off the page at you anymore, it very well could be that you're persisting in sin and you've stopped going to Jesus and telling Him how blind you are without Him. You don't need Him anymore. You've been saved ten years now. Just don't need Him. Yeah, let me explain something to you. You need Him. You need Him. Now, here's the last thing I want to tell you. Do you remember He led him out of the town? Say, this blind man was not from Bethsaida. Because when He told him to go back to his home, He told him not to go back to the town. He didn't live in Bethsaida. He lived in another city. They're just trying to find Jesus. They're taking Him to Jesus. Jesus, by the way, is not going to Bethsaida. He's going through Bethsaida. He parks his boat there. He's going through Bethsaida. While he's walking through, they bring a blind man to him and said, would you pray for him? Jesus said, yeah, but not in this town. Not here. Takes him and leads him outside the town, heals him outside the town, and then says to him, don't go back in that town. And don't tell anyone in that town. Do you know why this happened? About a year before he was in Bethsaida. He worked great miracles in Bethsaida, shared who he was, and they rejected him. And when he left Bethsaida, he made this statement to you, to them. Woe to you, Bethsaida. If the mighty works that were done here had been done in Tyre and Sidon and in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented. And then he makes this statement. It's going to be better in the day of judgment. For the people who are from Sodom and Gomorrah, then it's going to be for you. You know why? Because you rejected your only hope. Your only hope came and stood in your town. And they made him leave. They pushed him out, tried to kill him. And here's what he said to him on the way out. Your chance is over. It's over. So... That's why he took the blind man out of the town. That's why he told him not to go back in the town. Now listen to me. This is what I want to tell you from this. One day, it's going to be too late. For Bethsaida, it was too late. They rejected him. One day, for every person sitting here, it's going to be too late. Here's the good news. Today, it's not too late. (laughs) It's not too late today. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here today and you don't know if you died, you'd go to heaven. I want to pray with you. Last night and in the first service today, we had people accept the Lord. You're here for a reason. You're not here by accident. Maybe this is your first time here. You've been coming for a little while. And you're, you're enjoying it. You like what you hear. But you just don't know about where you are in your relationship with God. I want to help you. You can pray a prayer today from your heart. 
And God can open your spiritual eyes and forgive your sin. And I just want to know, no one's looking around. The reason I do that is because I'm not trying to embarrass you in any way. I want to make it as easy on you to accept the Lord as you po- as it could possibly be. If you're here today and you don't know if you die, you'd go to heaven. You know, you say, Pastor Robert, I know God loves me. I know Jesus died for me. I know all that. But to be honest, if I died today, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you just put your hand up where I can see it? Put it way up high where I can see it. God bless you. God bless you. Many of you. Just put it way up high. I'm not sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. Put it way up high. God bless you. You can put your hands down. You don't have to leave here not knowing. You can put your hands down. Listen to me. If that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer. Right where you are, I want you to pray this prayer from your heart. God will hear it, I promise you. He's just been waiting for you to admit to Him you're blind without Him. He's just waiting for you. And He wants to take away all of your sin. So if that's you, if you don't know if you died, you'd go to heaven. I want you to, I'm going to pray out loud. You just pray in your heart. Just pray this prayer in your heart right now. Just say this to God. Dear God, just say that in your heart. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin and to come into my life today. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me today. Now, again, no one's looking around, but if you prayed that prayer and you really meant business with God, put your hand up. Put it way up. You ought to be proud to put it up. Put it way up high. I prayed that prayer and I really meant business with God. God bless you. God bless you. Now, you can put your hands down. If, that, if that's you, if you prayed that prayer, just those of you that prayed that prayer, just, just look at me for a minute. I'll be able to make eye contact with you. If you prayed that prayer and gave your life to the Lord, I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for you. I was in a motel room when I did it. You got saved. I'm happy for you. I want to ask you to do one more thing, though. If you prayed that prayer and you gave your life to the Lord, in a moment when we dismiss the service, we're going to have leaders here at the front. And what I'm asking you to do is to come to one of these leaders when we dismiss and to say, I gave my life to the Lord. Let me tell you why I'm asking you to do that. Jesus said, if you'll confess me before me, and I'll confess you before my Father. The Bible also says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. So I'm asking you, when we dismiss in a moment, it'll be very easy. There'll be other people coming for prayer. Just come to one of these at the front and say, I gave my life to the Lord. You can actually, in just a moment, when the leaders come down, you can just go ahead and start coming when they come in a moment if you want to. Or you can do it after the service. But we really want to help you. So make up your mind you're going to do that right now. When we, when, in a moment, and come to one of these, all right? Lord, thank you. Thank you for every one of these that gave their hearts to you. And Lord, thank you that by your grace, we can see with our eyes, we can hear with our ears, we can understand with our heart, and we can be healed. In Jesus' name, amen.